Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fiorelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. It's showtime. We are so glad you guys are here because we have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is comedian and the best warm-up guy in the business. He also hosts the Talking Sopranos tour, and he's my pal, Joey Cola. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join the conversation. And our super fan shout-out is for Imelda. Say hi to Imelda, everyone. Hey, Imelda. Imelda, how you doing? How you doing, Imelda? Ah, look at it. Philip made it. Good. We're in another I'm port. here. That's good. I'm here, baby. And Imelda sent us a lovely email. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Yes, and that's what Imelda did. She went there and told us that our podcast brings her great comfort, and that made me feel good. That's oh. nice. Yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, that's nice. It's a nice word. Yeah, comfort. Yeah, it brings me great friggin' anxiety, but it brings me great comfort. <laughs> But it brings her great comfort. Good, her, her comfort. It brings me anxiety because I got to worry. Is Phil going to be here? Is he not going to be here? We're going to have to do it on this day because he's sailing around the world. And, and look at him. He's in a mood. I'm not in a mood. I'm happy. Oh, you're right. He's not in a mood. That That's pleasant for Phil. <laughs> I'm in a great mood. Yeah. Life is good. Yeah. That sentence ends with, you son of a bitch. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm in a great mood. Hey, I held it back. I know. I saw it in your face. Phil's like, I'm not in a mood. I'm in a mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on. Sorry, guys. I got a boat drill thing. Sorry. <laughs> okay. While, while Phil sinks, we're going to go on. Abandoned ship. Yeah. Abandoned ship. Yeah. There's nothing to worry about, but just can all the women and children come to the left side of the boat? That's the higher side. <laughs> Apparently, oh, we're man. listing. I'll never let go, Adam. Yeah. I think I'd rather die. I really think. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm in a good mood too. I'm more happy for my wife because uh, you nursed a, one of God's creatures back to health and it flew away. The yes. dove is back in the wild where it belongs. Yes. Oh wow. That's and there great. was a there was a lot of doubters, including I, you, Adam. Yeah, well, I wasn't I wasn't doubting. I, I was inconvenienced in that ball. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to admit, well, I was looking for dove bird cages. Yeah, like huge ones because I didn't want it to be in a cage, but I knew it had to. Yeah, flying cages. They're like amwas. These big amwas <laughs> she's getting for a dove. They're called flying cages. Yeah, flying yeah. cages. This is what I need now. And I mean, then I was thinking, I'll, do I, I take it outside half the day, leave it outside, then bring it in? And I'm like. This might be a little problem. Yeah. A French <laughs> dove enclosure. That's what I need. We have to think of everything. <laughs> so I'm, I'm driving home, right? And, you know, the dove is, is here. The dove's been here for almost a month, like just recuperating. So I, I'm, I get a text, all capitals, bird flu. And right away, I'm thinking, oh, my God, my wife has the bird flu. <laughs> the avian flu. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, I'm like, now we got to deal with this. The, the pandemic wasn't enough. <laughs> Now my wife has the bird flu. So I call her immediately and, 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 and she, she's on the phone. She's like, isn't it wonderful? I go, what's wonderful? You got the bird flu. She goes, no, the bird flu. I said, oh, the dove? Yeah. She brought the dove upstairs. One of the bedrooms up, upstairs opens up to a little deck on our roof. Mm -hmm. So my wife built the, the dove a little enclosure. And then she opened it up, and, and the dove saw his opportunity, and the dove actually said, I'm getting the hell out of here, and it flew. That's not how it happened, Adam. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what a shocker. <laughs> so I put the dove up. I, I read up on doves and how you release animals and, and all that. So they said they need to feel safe. And you have to wait till the dove perches high. Mm -hmm. That's your marker. So I made a little perch, and I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, that's my signal. When the dove perches high, it's it's you know, healed and it wants to fly. Mm -hmm. So I walked in in the morning and I'm like, oh, the dove's high. The mm -hmm. dove was just kind of looking at me like, okay, you can open the doors. Mm -hmm. So I opened both of the doors. I walked outside so it knew, you know, it wasn't like a mirror. Mm -hmm. And when I started walking back towards the room, it flew past me. It did? Uh -huh, through the trees. <laughs> did it leave yeah. you a tip? <laughs> no, no tip. <laughs> No tip, I, was, I was very happy and sad at the same time because yeah. I was getting attached to Dovey. I know, but I, I know that I know that that feeling my wife has is she was. I know she took great joy in that that she could help the dove, but I knew you were sad that the dove left. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was living vicariously through this. I felt like I was part of this rescue team, even though I'm across the country. Because Alex, you would send me the pictures of the dove and the setup, you know, and you're like, this is just. Is beautiful. I mean, the dove was wounded and you could have turned your back on it and you didn't. And I love that. You know, that, that's just a great gesture of kindness. Yeah. And then you would send him the pictures. And then at night I would call him going, this friggin bird is still in my house. <laughs> I, know. I know. And I picture you like Adam every day coming home with your lunch pail after a hard day at the comedy factory. And you're just like looking at the dove, the doves reading the newspaper. And you're like, did you find an apartment yet? Yeah. No, not today. Bring yeah. me beers. What do you yeah. got? Come on, yeah. let's go to get some beers. It's like having a brother-in-law on the couch. That's what it's like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, I want to know why I didn't get this this courteous send-off when I stayed there. It was like, get out. That's what it was like for me when I was. <laughs> well, the dove didn't take a dump in my bathroom and stink the place out. <laughs>
Now, why do you have to always go to my ass? Does every punt, does every story have to end with something to do with my ass? No, Come it on. ends with what comes out of your ass and annoys oh, others. Oh, you, you does know. Phil have handling instructions when you receive him? Does it say, do not feed him lentil soup ever? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's when you know Phil has to go to the bathroom. He perches high. <laughs> Everyone get out of the way. You get out of the way. Here it comes. It I, I, know, I, I love you, you no matter what you smell like. Oh, stop it. <laughs> or what he leaves behind. Or what you leave behind. <laughs> Honey, I love you. Animals and creatures and whatever. You got a nurse back to health and on. Stern, I love you. Even though you vomit on me. Another... <laughs> That's tough to fit. Every one of you people are out to get me. I don't know why I'm still here. <laughs> and stuff's coming out of two of us. Yeah. And Ad- Adam still hasn't figured out that he's one of my animals I'm nursing back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. Maybe I got to get that awareness, too. <laughs> Listen, guys, Adam comes in hot, but he's a softie. I want to read this to you. It's a very sweet. It's a card. I found it on the ledge from Dovey. I'm going to read to you. I can fly. Thank you for taking care of me. The guy was funny, but a little cranky. He tried not to say anything because he loves you. I promise not to shit on your car. Love, Dovey. <laughs> See, Adam, a you're moment. softy. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> you might as well put love Santa. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad your creatures are safe. I'm glad you got a chance to care for the bird. My, my pal Joey Cola, he cares for birds too, but uh, he cares for birds because he has a vendetta against ticks. <laughs> we all. Okay. I'm not making it up. He's such an Italian and he's one of my dearest friends. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. What you need to consider doing if you find a baby bird. If you find baby birds that should be in the nest, we recommend that you collect that nest material, put it in a, a box, keep it warm, in a quiet area of your home, and then watch that homemade nest very closely. This friggin' bird is still in my house. (laughs) I know. know. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you will never get back. Can I go now? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Psst, hey, you in Connecticut? I am. 
Yes, tonight, October 28th through October 30th, I am at the Comic Roadhouse at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Uncasville, Connecticut. December 2nd through the 4th, I am at Mgooby's Joke House in Timonium, Maryland. December 16th, I am at the Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. And December 17th and 18th, I am at Levity Live in Nyack, New York. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And you know, if you make any of these gigs, I want to say thank you. Yes, I do. Thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, listen to Joey Cola. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a comic assassin. He is known for laying waste to audiences as well as being one of the best warm-up men in the business and one of the finest hosts you can get. He's currently hosting the Talking Sopranos tour with friends of the show Steve Sharippa and Michael Imperioli as well as warming up the Drew Barrymore show. He is so good at his job, Rosie O'Donnell bought him a boat and gave him her Emmy. I admire him as an artist, I love him as a friend, and I'm not just saying that because he bailed me out of jail. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Joey Cola. How are you, baby? <laughs> That's the only noise that could follow that intro. <laughs> That's funny. Bailed him out of jail and Rosie gave him a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's there's true. The Emmy. It's true. And there's the, the Emmy. Award. Look at you. It's a weapon, too. Look at that. I'll tell you what. First, we'll start with the story about how you bailed me out of jail. Okay. I forget what gig we was. It what gig we working on? I forget. We were at some gig upstate. All right, and yeah. we're driving home, and uh, I had uh, I had a, an '85 Turbo Coupe. I had a Thunderbird. And yes, um, beautiful car, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Something something you wouldn't want anybody to ruin. <laughs> So we're driving home, and I got a busted headlight, and uh, we get pulled over by a cop. And Joey, your your brother, is on the job. So Joey leans over to me, and he says, hey, pal, I'll take care of this. My brother's on a job. I know how to talk to these cops. I don't want you to worry about a thing. You're with me. Okay, great. Cop comes up to the window. License and registration. Joey leans over and goes, uh, How are you, officer? Uh, I'm Joey Cola. My, my, my brother's on the job. But we know that there's a busted headlight. Um, we know it's, uh, and I will get it fixed as soon as we can. I just want you to know that we are aware of the situation. <laughs> okay. Cop takes my license, goes back to the car, comes back, says, Mr. Ford, get out of the car. There's a warrant for your arrest. And Joey says, Hey, I just met this guy. All right? <laughs> I don't know him for 20 years. I don't know him at all. I said, listen, I'm a respectable man. I got family in, uh, family in the police force. Uh, I got a garden. I grow mint. If you ever need, I'm here. And basil. And basil. Uh- <laughs> so they lock me up. I'm handcuffed. They put me in the back of the car because I got a bench warrant. Yes. They don't yeah. know what it's for. So the cop says, you have to, it's a little town upstate New York. He goes, you have to drive uh, his car to the station house. And and Joey can't drive his stick. No. So I'm handcuffed in the back of the car wondering why my freedom has been taken from me. And I see the one headlight going, because you're in first yeah. gear the whole time. And I smell my clutch burning. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to uh, jump jump from first to third. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> 
doesn't work. And there's a thing called RPMs. Yeah. It just kept going zing, 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 zing. And I heard a lot of grinding. I guess that's not good. So, yeah. So, so I, I, get, I had to drive your car to the precinct. We get there. Mm-hmm. They put you in jail. Yep. Everybody's calling everybody to try to get you out. I'm trying to call all my contacts <laughs> to try to get you out of there. My brother's like, there's nothing I can do. I'm like, don't you have a card on you or something? Can you call this in? There's nothing I can do. Nothing anybody could do. I called mafia cousins. I called everybody I could. I called the local fishmonger. I called everybody that I could call. I said, listen, we're stuck up here. We're in jail. So we're waiting around, and I see a poster. It says, you can go rappling. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is rappling? And from the from the cell, like 20 yards away, you are, it's rappelling, you moron. They go down the mountain. They rappel down the mountain. Why would anybody want to do that? Yeah. You're having a conversation all by yourself. Yeah, I was. I was all by myself there and there. Because they took you away, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought I was, we were just going to wind up sleeping there. But yeah. by some miracle, they let you out, and uh, I, I drove home. You shifted, yeah, and you told me when to hit the clutch yeah. and the gas. Yeah, that, that's, how, that's how we got home. I was and, in the and, neighborhood today because uh, I was over on Woodbury Road in Huntington. Mm-hmm. I had a follow-up from my doctor <laughs> because uh, Monday, Monday, 3.30 in the morning, I had my appendix out. Hey, Are you hey, <laughs> Right there, right there. They went in and over here. The appendix is over here. Yet they went in here, here, and here to get something that's over here. Well, so you're all right. Pulled it out. Sunday, no. Well, I'm okay now. But Sunday, I started to feel bloated beyond what you saw, right. and uh, and uh, and I had a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So about ten o'clock at night, my wife says, "We got to do one of those." Uh, doctors on FaceTime. So we did that. Right. I was on for like a minute. And the guy goes, you got to get to the ER now. Your, your appendix is about to explode. So we went over to Northwell in Plainview. They did a CAT scan and a blood test. My white blood cells were way up. Did the CAT scan. They said, this thing is going to explode. It's not imminent, but it's going to explode. So I said, if it's not imminent, can I go home and reschedule the surgery? Right. So the guy goes, not imminent means you got two hours. <laughs> in two hours, that thing's going to explode. We're going to have more problems. It's going to be poison all in your system. So I said, all right. So that was 1130, 1230 at night. And then by, by one o'clock, two o'clock, they prepped me by three 30. The appendix was, uh, they were in inside of me cutting it out by five 30. The operation was over by seven 30. I was home Monday morning. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was pain, big pain, you mm. know, but my appendix is no longer, it ceases to exist. Well, Joey, look, I'm not a doctor, but to me, that sounds imminent. Yeah, it was pretty imminent. <laughs> pretty imminent. As imminent goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was imminent. So so they took it out, and that was it. And I went to, to see a guy today over in Huntington, the guy who did the operation. Uh-huh. He said he had a polyp on there that was attached to it. They took that out. And he goes, how often do you get colonoscopies? I go, dude, you know, I'm a, I'm a hypochondriac. Uh-huh. I get a colonoscopy more than i get my teeth clean i get i get i get every two days i'm in there please go ahead i'll drink the stuff poop it out you know whatever you need me to do so uh i get a lot of colonoscopies now and, uh, and that's it that's how long we've known each other and like i said in the intro you're you're a 
friggin' comic assassin, man. I have seen you lay waste to audiences. You are too. You know, we we you we both came up in the same school. Mm-hmm. You were you were just a half a generation behind me, but we both learned from the best. It came came from uh, you. Uh, you that's the way you survived. That's why you became a headliner. Is you gotta you gotta write an act that's gonna be high energy, mm-hmm. jokes, 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 punchlines, punchlines. That's what they're paying for. And if you're not. They're gonna uh, they're gonna move on to the next, and that's yeah. it. If you want to survive, you had to be that way. Yeah, and that serves you well as far as warm up. I mean, like I said in the intro, you're you're the best in the business, man. Thanks for saying that, man. And coming from you, that means the world to me because you're a killer. You know, we did a, uh, this. Uh, these people did a documentary recently, and I was in it about warm up comics. Mm-hmm. And one of the producers, uh, who's a comic, he said, "What he said to me," uh, and the other producer threw this question out. He said to me, uh, you know, you're known as a room wrecker. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is it? He goes, how do you feel that the other comics call you a room wrecker? I said, well, I've never heard that term before. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what it means. And he says, well, you know, well, by the time you're done, the audience is blah, 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 blah. I said, well, that's if, if wrecking a room is making people laugh. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. But make them laugh. It's also know? knowing the room. I mean, that, that's the thing about, you know, the seller. You know, you get good quick because you're just following killers, you know. So I being steeped in that water made me uh, uh, made me cut the fat really quick. But it's also the MC's job to bring everybody back and put it down. And and, you know, when we're tagging a show and when we're doing a show, you know, the guy's coming after you. So you give him a runway, you know, you give him a landing field, give him a runway. Yeah, Yeah, that's you did that for me at at the brokerage. You came by to say hello because I was headlining. You went up, you brought me up. We had a connection. It was and it was. It's what you do when when you know your worth and know who you are and know where you are. When you're a young comic, you just want to beat the shit out of everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very few audience members. I think it's they're becoming more savvy now mm-hmm. to um to the the conditions in a room while a comedy show is operating. Like they used to come and just sit and eat their potato skins and drink their beer mm-hmm. and and hope you say something that makes them laugh. But right. now. They're learning the mechanics of a good stand-up comedy show, the way it's produced, mm-hmm. high-energy high, high energy comics, low-energy comics. The MC comes in, like you said, brings the tone here, but also gives you that little ramp where mm-hmm. the next person can jump on and take those laughs and keep on going. Yeah. And if the tempo of the room changes, that MC has got to come back and change it back to back to neutral, if you will, You know, which is something, the gear that I did not hit when I was driving your car that <laughs> night. Uh, I actually hit reverse at a second gear twice before I hit neutral. <laughs> I can still smell it. Oh. I still got shavings on my hands from that <laughs> metallic powder. So, well, let me ask you this: How did so? How did you get? I mean, like I said, you know, this is one of the best warmers in the business. How did you get into that that part of our that that part of our uh, that aspect of our job? Right. So. Um, so uh, years ago, uh, there was a guy named Barry Segunda mm-hmm. who managed, uh, who was managing uh, John Stewart at the time. Yeah, and his sister was my agent at uh, Abrams, I think it was Ruth Ann Segunda. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Sussman was managing me at the time. So they were friends, mm-hmm. and I think Barry Segunda or Ruth Ann said something to Jeff, or do you have a, do you have any high energy comics that can come and and warm up the John Stewart show? And it mm-hmm. wasn't. A, uh, it wasn't the uh, political show. He had his own show on WOR, Channel 9. It was a variety show, a Channel 9 show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we shot it where Wendy Williams is now, uh, 26th Street, ironically, above where Rachel is now at All Mobile. 
And for a year, you know, I knew John from the clubs, you know, mm-hmm. um, I used to work the city clubs with John and, you know, and my generation was like, you know, Mario Cantone and Leary and, and, um, and Eddie Brill and, uh, you know, all, all those people, Ray and Romano and, and those people. So that was that, that time when I was in the city, I was one of the few Long Island comics that would work the city because Peter Bales told me you got to do the city. So I would drive in and I had a beat up old Toyota Corolla and I'd, I'd leave it at the stand up New York on 78th Street. And I'd leave the keys in it mm-hmm. and say Ray had to go over to catch or the improv or whatever, or Eddie Brill or Mario Cantone or whatever. Whoever needed the car, I'd say the car's got to be back in front of catch by two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Whoever you give the keys to. And I would do that a bunch of times and they would just bang the car around the city. You know, it would be a catch or the improv at two o'clock in the morning. So I did those city clubs. And that's how I met John, uh, John Stewart. And um, as soon as the Jeff talked to Barry Segunda, I said, I got this guy, Joey Cola. So John said, yeah, I know Joey Cola from the clubs. Let's do it. So I did that show for a year. And it was it was a pretty cool show. Mm-hmm. That was a 90, 93, 92, 93, I think it was. Yeah, because my son was just born. And um, so um, I did that show for a year. And then, um, and then after that, I uh, I did the cruise ships. I did the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that uh, that big uh, comedy convention that Bud Friedman had at the Riviera. Well, it was right. the, it was the improv at the time. It was in the, it was in the Riviera. And then uh, and then I, I almost had a nervous breakdown doing the cruise ships. I got cruise ship stories that'll blow your mind. <laughs> and then uh, and then 1996, Daniel Kellison was my a producer on the David Letterman show. Mm-hmm. I was doing my Letterman spot. But he handed it over to Zoe Friedman. She became my producer because Daniel Kellison was going with Rosie to start the Rosie O'Donnell show. Mm -hmm. So they used a few other comics and writers to do warm up. It didn't because it didn't work. The the show started June 10th, 1996. But I didn't come on till June 13th, 1996. So um, so Rosie knew me from the clubs, you know, because I would MC a lot and keep high energy. So Rosie, uh, somehow my name came up with Daniel Kellison said that it's called Joey. So I did my Letterman spot uh, June 13th, 1996. And as I was leaving the Ed Sullivan Theater, Sussman's cell phone rang, the big cell phone, like he's <laughs> a rat patrol or something. You know, so the big, so the cell phone rings and it's it's Rosie and Killison. And uh, they said, could Joey come in tomorrow and, and, uh, and, and warm up the show? So I said, what kind of the show is it going to be? At that point, it was Sally, Jesse, Raphael, and Geraldo throwing chairs. I said, uh-huh. I don't want to be involved in that. So Rosie got on the phone. She said, no, I want to be very Merv Griffin, very Mike Douglas, but uh-huh. we're going to add a, an element of fun. We're going to give gifts to the audience, and I really want you to keep it like a comedy club on a Saturday night having fun. I said, I could do that. Uh-huh. So I went in and did it, and that was the beginning of, I mean, uh, the the long stretch of warm-up. And now it's, that was uh 28 years ago. Yeah. I remember I remember when I did the Rosie show, they cut to you because I, I told the story how you bailed me out of jail and they right. were cutting to you and you were sitting there laughing. Yeah. And, yeah, and Rosie yeah. never knew that about you. And then, and then, she, then I, I remember walking out. I, was, I said, Rosie, you know, I was the one that went to jail, not Joey. Don't hold this yeah. against me. <laughs> yeah. But it was a, it was a, Rosie was a groundbreaking show. You know, it was a, you know, she did things that nobody else did. She pulled that, that black curtain around the mm-hmm. whole uh, 8G up there, you know, where, 
where uh, we're right down to Hof SNL, and she was able to do Broadway shows there. She put a RoboCam on a track that was on the ceiling mm-hmm. before anybody else did. She gave away. She she started giving away stuff under the seat and and ring dings and milk and stuff like that. And, you know, Oprah says you get a car, you get a car, and that she's known for that. But Rosie started all of that. Nobody was giving away gifts to the audience until Rosie started it because she was so generous. You know, and yeah. I got a. You know, when Rosie, when I talk about Rosie, I'm very, um, you know, it hits my heart a lot because she's a very smart person and and the most generous person I've ever met. And um, she, because of her, I'm involved in 34 different charities because she taught me how to do that. Like one day I come in and uh, I got into 30 Rock at about 7, 7.15 for an 8 o'clock meeting and I'm early. And she was there too, walking down the hallway and she looked, uh, doot the shundan. He was a mess. So I look at her and I go, I go, hey, Big Shot, where were you last night out with your Broadway friends at Joe Allen's? She goes, no, I couldn't sleep. So I uh, I went to Sloan and wrote checks. Sloan I Kettering. I couldn't sleep. So I went to Sloan Kettering and wrote checks. Yeah. But that's what she would do. If she couldn't sleep, she'd get the checkbook, incognito, go to wait at the waiting room at Sloan Kettering and find families that are in need and destroy it mm-hmm. and write them 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, five grand, whatever. A couple of friends of ours that are comedians who had uh, run-ins with cancer and yeah. stuff got checks from her. So, um, so the ultimate generosity and knowledge and stuff and, and real passion, you know, I learned a lot from her and um, you know, I was with her for six years and then I uh, was with Martha Stewart for seven years. Mm. And then, uh, in, between, <laughs> and, uh, in between, I was with uh, AGT with Howard Stern and uh, Howard Stern's birthday party and Tom Papa and Seinfeld hired me for uh, the marriage ref. And I've mm-hmm. been with uh, Rachel Ray for 11 years. And now I just started the Drew Barrymore thing three weeks ago. Yeah. I want to go so, back. Uh, I want to go back to Rosie because she did when you said with the generosity. I mean, when when right. when, when she like retired the show. She bought your boat. Last episode, she said, and, and everybody knew this, mm-hmm. except for me and Donna Richards, who's a wardrobe person. She's wardrobe for SNL and has been and still is now. But Donna dressed Rosie, and I warmed up the crowd. And I knew Rosie from the clubs. I used to drive Rosie to gigs at the at East mm-hmm. Side and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So when we did the show, at the end of the show, um, she found out from uh, my friend Kenny Decker, rest his soul, great cameraman. He had a sailboat, and uh, him and I would go to the Javits Center in between shows or after Rosie's show, and I'd say, someday I'm going to get a boat, someday. And Rosie took the time to find out from my wife and my friends at the show, what does Joey really want? So Kenny said, I know Joey, if he could have a boat, he would he would have a boat. So what kind of boat? So he goes, I'll find out. So he took me to the Javits Center, to the boat show, and he walked me around. And we would look at every kind of boat. And I said, man, I'd like a, you know, I'd like a 23-foot center console pro line with a T-top and this engine at 200 Merc on the back because I'm a fisherman yet. i got to have a, a, a hedge for the kids to go to, go to the bathroom. Anyway, she goes and gets me that boat. And... And she calls, uh, I mean, I have it on a VHS tape somewhere, but in the middle of the show, she called me over and Donna Richards over. Mm-hmm. And she said, we're going to play a game or some kind of game or whatever. And uh, whoever gets more points gets a prize. And I, I don't know what the hell's going on. We're live. Right. We're live. So 
She says, Joey, did you ever win an Emmy Award? I said, well, we get the plaque. There's no category for warm-up guy or, or wardrobe at that point. It still isn't. And um, I get a plaque. And I got, like, you know, a bunch of plaques from her show. At that point, I had four, four or five plaques. But I never got the statue, the statue that everybody else gets, uh-huh. you know. So she uh, she said, Donna, what about you? Same thing, you know. So she says, well, today we're not playing a game. Um, I We won for best show and best host. And she pulls out those two Emmy Awards and she goes, I want you guys to have these. And she gave us this these statues. And here's the statue right here. Aww. And then she says, you guys have been so loyal to me. And I know uh, I kind of, you know, in so many words that the producers and stuff get bonuses and this and that. But you guys don't really get that. So he says, Donna, I bought you a PT Cruiser. That's how long ago it was. Right. A car. Gave the car to Donna Richards. And then, Joey, I got you a boat. And it was my dream boat. And uh, it was, it was. I never thought I'd ever own a boat. Because mm-hmm. I've been driving minivans and all my money went into my wife and my kids and my family. You know me. I'm, sure. I'm not self up. I, I don't have a, I don't have a money g- g- goal in my life. It just it's happiness and love is what I strive for. So um, I would never have bought myself this boat. But she gave me the boat. And I, I felt like I'd been shot in a good way, you know. <laughs> and I started crying and. And it was just the greatest thing. You know, it was the greatest, greatest day. And it was live. So my friend John Cefeli, who owned a marina in, in, uh, out in, in Islip on the Connecticut River, is, I didn't even leave 30 Rock. And my cell phone rings. I had the big cell phone, and mm-hmm. it rings at the flip phone or whatever. And he goes, I've, he, the first words he said was, I've already got your slip waiting. <laughs> he goes, I already got a slip for you. So we had the boat for like five, six years, and the engine crapped out, and I sold it. Right. But it was a great five or six years that my kids, we had the, you know, the banana boat. We went out fishing and, and saw whales, and you know, all. it was the greatest experience, and it was the greatest thing. And that's how generous she is. I mean, that was all out of her own pocket. Yeah. You know, there was no... There was no having some sponsor come in and give me a boat or, you know what I mean? It was like out of her own pocket. I mean, you know, Rosie was the type that in between shows, if we were hungry and the control room wanted sushi, she had sushi delivered into the control room. I mean, that's just the way it was. Like if we had Tommy Hilfiger on the show, she'd say to him before the show, all right, so what are you bringing for my staff? And we'd have khakis out the (laughs) one. So, um, you know, that's the Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, I mean, I go, I go like that with Martha Stewart, but I had a lot of, a lot of fun times with her too. She was just very tricky and playful. You know, mm-hmm. Martha was, uh, after I did Rosie then, then uh, for six years, Martha for seven years and some shows in between, I did the Jane Pauley show in between, which is very serious. Show. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it wasn't, it wasn't the hijinks and everything. Cause it was more as a news oriented show, but Martha one day, um, we, we were doing a yoga segment mm-hmm. and the, and, in the rehearsal, there's a thing, a metal thing that you put against the wall and you bend over and put your head in and you could be upside down against the wall doing a, a headstand or a uh-huh. handstand. So in the rehearsal, Martha did it, you know. So we go live in about an hour. We're on live television, NBC, 11 o'clock in the morning. So the yoga lady goes, OK, Martha, you know, do the upside down thing. And so she goes, well, I'm not doing that. Joey, <laughs> come over and do it. So on live television, there I am with my belly hanging out over my face. My I'm wearing white socks and sneakers up to my knees. And my khakis fall down around my crotch. And you just see my shriveled up E.T. looking knees. With the, and it was the most, but my face was so red. 
Like I look like I look like I was gonna pop. <laughs> so, so that was. Uh, but Martha would do that kind of stuff with me, and I'd dress up for Halloween with her and all kinds of stuff. But it was, you know, it's always been a lot of fun. I, I try to make, you know, when I'm doing stand up, it's my show. Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Joey Cole. But when I'm doing warm up, I'm a small piece of a giant puzzle. Sure. I'm a, I'm a small, uh, you know, cog in the machine that helps it go. You know, so it's I'm the butler. I'm the rodeo clown. I gotta like set it up, the MC to set up the show to make sure it flows from segment to segment, and we um, we seamlessly go from a cooking segment to a song to uh, someone telling a serious story to a human interest thing or whatever. You mm-hmm. know. And I'm going into my 11th season with Rachel, uh, 11, yeah, 11 with Rachel and uh, my first with uh, Drew, because now she's got a, a live audience in the studio. Yeah, Rachel, I see Rachel. Um, uh, when I did the show, I did it with uh, with Leary uh, yeah. and, and Lenny. So when we did that, I got to see you. I got to see you there. And, and she's very generous, too, with the firefighters. I mean, she was there. Oh. She was there for a check. And she was there when we did the uh, the training session at um at the rock we with the training facility yeah yeah and uh, I, she's uh hardcore rachel's hardcore she's uh, as generous as rosie like another generous generous person mm-hmm. to uh humans and animals and stuff yeah and she's another one that cuts to the cuts to the chase what do you need how can i help you let's get the job done now and i've never seen anybody go with uh, do as much work and work as hard as her. Like we do three shows a day there, sometimes four. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of. Like most shows, if they can get if they can get 13, 14 segments out, that's a lot. We on an average do 21 segments at Rachel, sometimes 22, 23, you know? Yeah. Well, you, this year, well, you also have that generous spirit as well. So I am not surprised at all that you fell in with, with, with uh, like-minded people, because every benefit on Long Island, I, I just want the audience to know, Long Island, it was the last sense of community when stand-up, I think, was our generation. You know, after us, there really wasn't a sense of uh, a sense of community, but anytime anybody needed anything in the neighborhood, we would get a call, and it was usually from Joey. It was like, uh, hey, this family's having problems, come on down to Governor's, and then, then it got a little yeah. ridiculous, like, listen, my cousin's niece needs a denim jacket to start school. We're going to yeah. do a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. The the one I heard from comics the most was I'm part of this program where we raise quails to fight ticks. Right. Because I, I almost died of a tick. I had Rocky Mountain fever when I was nine and almost killed me. Mm-hmm. So I have a vendetta against ticks. You're Italian. So of course you have a guy. vendetta. Of course. So with this guy, uh, Eric Powers from the seed program, we raise Bob White quails because they used to be ground nesting birds, pheasants, quails, things like that. Rough grouse used to be native to Long Island and they'd eat their body weights and, and ticks. And now ticks are running rampant and there's Lyme, there's Powassan, there's Lone Star, there's all these different tick diseases. So about 10 years ago, the guy was in the audience at, at Martha. And uh, we hit it off. And now we raise, we have the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts and kindergarten first graders. They get the eggs from Murray McMurray uh, Farms out in uh, Tennessee or Utah, wherever it is. And they hatch them. They give the babies to us. We raise them to adults and we release them at Caleb Smith State Park out in Smithtown. And now it's all over Long Island. Mm -hmm. So um, we release these quails that eat the ticks on Fire Island and Queens, wherever there's ticks. Now, the mortality rate is about you know, 85% because cats and hawks and everything eats these quails. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so I had to tap into some comedians. What's his benefit for Joey? Is someone dying? Somebody got leukemia? Nah, we need to raise quails to get rid of ticks. <laughs> and 
too. Like Tim Gage looked at me like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> People stop. And I go, yeah, but we need to get rid of these ticks. I'm telling you, it's going to help us in the long run. <laughs> I get a vendetta. I get a vendetta against these things. So now we raise money to raise quails to get rid of ticks now, too. Ah. Uh. That's but so, you know, I'm a, you know me, I'm deep, deeply spiritual. Believe I know. Me, I'm no saint. I'm no saint at all. Nope. Uh, you know, that I know. Just, <laughs> you know. Of course you know. But but um but you know I I I, I try to keep to the tenets of uh you know Buddhism and Hinduism. I I read the Torah, the, you know the Quran as well as the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And the one the one thing that resonates what I try to live my life by is when Christ said, "He who does for the least of my brethren." He does it for me. Mm-hmm. So when I help somebody, I, I'm not doing it for me or that person in particular. I'm doing it for God. Mm-hmm. And and you don't get healed by your own works. You get you do those good works in that you believe and give over that he'll give you his grace. Mm-hmm. And then we go on because we're all here for a half hour. You know, whether it's nine years or 90 years, we're here for a half hour and we move on. Yeah. You know, I don't go the heavy religion stuff or the, you know, the Pope or the, well, that type of that mm-hmm. deep into it. But, um, you know, I'm a simple guy. I make people laugh. I raise butterflies. I plant plants and I feed birds. That's it. <laughs> hey, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Simple as that. And if I can make the money to pay the bills to making people laugh, yeah. that's that's all I can do. I mean, after this, I'm a landscaper. I might go work at an arboretum. But today, <laughs> I took my daughter. She was in a bad way. We went to the water. We got some clams. And I, I take the barbs off the hook so we don't hurt the fish. Uh-huh. And we catch blowfish, you know, the puffer fish. Yeah, yeah. We caught a bunch of them today, and then we just fed the fish. We were on a dock until two rats ran behind us. <laughs> Middle of the day, rats ran behind us. <laughs> So my wife, my daughter goes, well, that's the end of today's trip. So, I mean, during the day when you got two rats run up behind you, I go, yeah, you know what? We're out of here. So, two of the rats, a couple of clams and got out of there. So how did you meet Michael and Steve and become part of the uh, Talking Sopranos tour? Well, I know I know Steve for a long time because he used to book the Riviera yeah, Comedy Club. That's where so I met him. Working there for 20, yeah, 25, 30 years we've been working there. And uh, when my kids were little and I needed to work, he... Um, he, he he gave me a lot of work there. I met Colin there, and Colin came to see me there. We became friends and and uh, and stuff. So I knew Steve back way before he was a real actor, mm-hmm. before he was starting to get bit parts. So um, I knew him then, and I met I met Mike Imperioli through that. But when they when the Sopranos started doing uh, live show tours, and um, with Gandolfini, you know, and with Tony Sirico and a bunch of them. They'd bring me along to either host it or do 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that's been going on for over 20 years. So now uh, now that the show is kind of, you know, everybody's gone their own separate ways and there's Soprano Con or, or the Mob Con or whatever. These guys wanted to keep true to themselves and do a little bit of a different show, more mm-hmm. of a stage show, more intricately about the workings of what the actors had to do to get to a certain place rather than just, you know, Hey, you doing you have a hero with you. Yeah. Like that type of thing. We wanted to talk about the intricacies of the show and, and uh, answer. They wanted to answer questions about what was in David Chase's mind when certain shots, uh, scenes were shot mm. and certain uh, actors were, you know, the reasons why, the stories came together as they did. Um, what was the ideas behind the five episodes that Mike Mike uh, directed and wrote? And um, and th- you know, 
the inner workings of the Sopranos as they see it, you know, which is really, really interesting. You wouldn't believe some of the questions that the uh, the audience has. Of course, they want to know about the Pine Barrens episode and they want to know about, you know, the song at the end. And why didn't Tony kill the guy who raped Melfi? Mm-hmm. You know, like this basic questions. But there are also intricate questions about the scenes themselves, the episodes themselves and how they had to get to a certain place as an actor. And those questions are answered in the live show. Plus, we have a lot of fun. I mean, there's jokes about everything. Vinnie Pastore is with us, too. You know, so it's we're fooling around. They make fun of me. I make fun of them. We got clips of Tony Sirico with the wing meter mm-hmm. Sometimes his silver wings were this side. Sometimes they were that high. You know, and all the <laughs> things that Tony Sirico did. Yeah. I mean, he did. He looked like he looked like you know, only him and Grandpa Munster were the only ones to actually have <laughs> those silver wings. You know, so by the time we're done, we turn the, the uh, Q&A over to the audience. By the time we're done. We, it was very informative, but the main thing is it's a lot of laugh. It's, I, yeah. I tell you, the guys, I listened to the podcast, and I had them both on the show, and I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. If people want to yeah, know. they love you. They speak very highly of you. Oh, that's very kind. And let me ask you this. Where can people go to get the information if they want to go see the tour? Um, TalkingSopranos.com. TalkingSopranos.com. All right. Yeah, yeah. Just go right there. And anything Talking Sopranos, anything that has to do with their podcast, mm-hmm. just Google their podcast. It'll take you right to the site. And all the dates are right there. Yeah. Uh, I love you, man. I can't thank you enough for doing this. And uh, I'm glad. Uh, are we done already? Oh, my God. I wanted to sit for three more hours with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, too, brother. I really do. And as uh, I just want your audience to know that I love you so much that my we were when my son was born, my daughter is 30, my son's 28. When my son was born, we were in the room, in the delivery room, the baby was crowning. Okay, that's how that's where we were. Uh-huh. And and uh I look at my wife and she looks at me and we're going, What's what are we gonna name this kid? And we we have all these Italian relatives that want to name this and that, blah, blah, blah. And she looks at me and she goes, uh, didn't you just work with Adam Ferrara? I said, Yeah. I love Adam Ferrara. And my wife goes, I love Adam Ferrara. Let's name him Adam. Adam Ferrara. You, my son's name, my almost had a middle name of Ferrara, by the way. So, so we were like, we both, as my wife has given birth, we were both so in love with you at that, at that moment of love that we said, we're naming him Adam. So uh-huh. My son's name Adam because of you. Uh, that, so, that, that means the world to me, my friend. I really, I really hope we get to see each other and laugh again soon. I hope so, my friend. Yeah, I hope so. Because uh, we got the, I can't drink Corona. I can't fly <laughs> Delta. If they come out with a Hershey variant, I'm really screwed. <laughs> You're beautiful, baby. Give everybody a big kiss for me and best to you and the you family. You too. All right, man. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you go to the doctor and he says you have to have your appendix out, but it's not imminent. Not imminent means you got two hours. In two hours, that thing's going to explode. It's going to be poison all in your system. This could cause you a little anxiety. So do what I do. Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also got other edibles. They got tinctures, pain creams, bath products. My wife loves the bath bomb. My dog loves the pet products. And you're going to love the fact that you get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Yes, 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. 
My name is Joey Kohler, and that was 30 Minutes. I'll never get that. I had so much fun catching up with Adam, what did you get arrested for? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you left that out. Uh, Yes. It wasn't. It wasn't anything I did. It was uh-huh. okay. Sure, it never is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm innocent. Yeah. Your honor, your honor. <laughs> it wasn't me. I swear. I'm a victim of circumstance. That's what they all say, Adam. Yeah. Well, I had I had a bench warrant. They, they they needed to speak with me on a matter. I got a speeding ticket. I paid the speeding ticket because I'm a good citizen. But then I moved, and when I moved, I switched my bank. So by the time the state got the check and they went to cash it, that account wasn't there anymore. So I bounced a check on a stick. Apparently, I passed some bad paper inadvertently. <laughs> okay, we, we'll let that slip because everybody makes a mistake, but yep. you have to leave the money in the bank no, so I things got... clear. I know that now. <laughs> yeah. Sure now. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so, good so enough. That, that's what happened. So Joey bailed me out, and, and that's how it happened. We went home, and that was it. Okay, well then answer me this. Why did Joey have to drive you home? Because Joey's a pain in the ass, okay? He's why. <laughs> I thought you just didn't have your license. No, I, well, I didn't, but I, I said, like, who's going to see this, Joey? He's like, oh, no, we get pulled over. I'm not going through this again. <laughs> hey, don't blame him. I'm getting home to my family. I'm not going. Like it's, tra- it's a traumatic thing he's got to go through again. He's like, I got, I'm an upstanding member of society. Okay, fine. So he's driving home, stepping on the clutch, and I'm shifting, telling him when to hit the gas. And that's how we got home. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Over the George Washington Bridge, stepping and shifting. This is what I'm doing. Does he know how to drive one now? Well, he does, but I have to be there. (laughs) (laughs) No FaceTiming? No, nothing. I just love when Joey Coley gets excited. He becomes Mickey Mouse in Adam's head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. High pitched voice. It does, you know. And he even did it. I can't drive a stick. Oh. <laughs> what a what what a wonderful guy. I really loved hearing you guys talk. And I'll tell you one of the things that stood out for me mm. among a lot of things, I did not realize that about Rosie O'Donnell and the charity. Like she's like, can't sleep, gonna go to Sloan Kettering and write checks to people who are in need. Yeah. Like that was just one of the coolest things I have ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, she's a wonderful person. I can't sleep. I get up and eat ice cream. That's what I'll do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. You know one of those people that you meet mm. and they're just, I don't know, something about them makes you happy? Yeah, they're called drug dealers. <laughs> oh, Adam. Just people who have a naturally high spirit, high energy, mm-hmm. and you just want to be around. Yeah. That to me is Joey. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's, yeah, you could real... tell it just pours out and people. I mean, it's a perfect job for him to be with people because people want to be around him and he's quick on his feet with oh, his, yeah. his thinking and, and, and he's, he's a funny. killer. He's yeah. just a killer. I've seen him lay waste to audiences and, and he brings you into his personal life. He's got a, a moment in his act where he's he's riffing, he's complaining about something, he's riffing, and then the line comes out of his mouth, and my brother-in-law's an asshole! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, dude, there's a couple things about, you know, when I saw he was the guest, I'm really excited because I do love him. He's just a great, great guy. I haven't seen him in a long time, but when I first met him, and you labeled him perfectly, he is a comic assassin. He Mm -hmm. really is. And, um... And let me tell you something about him. When he tells you he's going to do something, he does it. That's Joey Cola. And, you know, I saw evidence of that when we worked together. He said, call me when you get to New York and I'll hook you up. 
you know, I, people say that all the time. And I went to New York about six months later and I called him and he did exactly what he said. He told me he would do. He got me with the brokerage. He got me in with Richie. I mean, the only reason I survived in New York was because of Joey Cole. I don't know if he knows that, but I love him and I, and I'm very grateful to him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a good dude. Yeah. It's another person that you've talked to new Adam uh-huh. that I have never met in my life. And it's going to be awkward if I ever meet Joey because there's going to be a big bear hug coming because he's just a wonderful guy. I mean, everything about positivity and funny and just everything you love about being around a guy, you know, yeah, just but everything. The, they do. But, but here's the thing is like, I, I know my love, him, but one day he's going to pick up an ax and just wipe people out. Because- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> See, he's the guy, he's got that positive guy. And if you needed help or something, he would, he would, okay, look, I'll help you move the body, but you know, <laughs> I don't want to be implicated. <laughs> and I hate friggin' ticks. You hear me? <laughs> there better not be any ticks on that body. <laughs> he was traumatized as a little kid, and then he ends <sighs> up helping a quail. Yeah, he does a charity to raise quail to kill the ticks. <laughs> I'll show you, you sons of bitches. <laughs> I'm going to be positive and help the birds that's going to eat your ass. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, S- setting him free and eating all the ticks. Yeah. That, that's what he did. But he, Joey does charity stuff. We used to get calls all the time. Mm-hmm. We got to do another charity. And, and we all did it because we all got to. It was we all a, loved him. Yeah. We all loved him. Yeah. And it was a community. And Joey, Joey put the bat signal up. So we're all going to yeah. show up. Yeah. And he would bring his bags of mint and basil from his garden. Oh, yeah, that that's him. He's that big, lovable guy. And you need that. You need that persona and you need that energy to do warm up. That's the hardest friggin job in the world. I did warm up on my own show for a pilot we shot for ABC. I would have fired me. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I can't do this. I thought it'd be all oh, do some stand up for the crowd and we would loosen me up. Get the hell out of here. I'll do this. Well, yeah, you have to shine amongst the people, not like a stage with lights and all that. But you're in with the people mm-hmm. and you're hanging out with the people and you're keeping their attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Let me tell you something from a guy who's done warm up. I did warm up for the Mickey Mouse Club for four seasons at Disney MGM for kids. Mm-hmm. I used to get notes from Disney at the end of the day. You said God. You can't say God. Really? <laughs> Three Mouseketeers are getting high backstage. I can't say God. Really? <laughs> Dude, it's a tough gig. And Joey is really, I've seen him do it. He's really good at it. And uh, it's not, you know, I, you know this. I got fired from the Wheel of Fortune for spinning the wheel. <laughs> Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Dude, it was nobody was there. It was off. I, I there, was, there wasn't any shooting going on. I saw the we just wanted to see what it was like to spin the wheel. What's the big deal? I can't spin the wheel. Everybody spins the wheel. You know Apparently so it is funny. a big deal. Yeah. It, you guys, it is a big deal and everybody would get away with it except Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so that, true. That, that wheel's been spun eight million times. I spin it. I'm gonna fuck up the wheel with one spin. You know what's great? Phil's on this stage, but you don't realize, Phil, you're the help. They look at you as the help. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Warm up, stand ups. Comics are either on stage or in the way. That's, you know. (laughs) That's exactly right, dude. You're kind of a peon. You are. You're kind of a peon. Yeah, we're we're talking mimes. That's what we are. (laughs) That's right. Joey transcended what he does. He's like the Babe Ruth of warm ups. There's no doubt about that. That's the kind of guy he is. You just, he works so hard for you. He's all in. He's there when you need him. And Rosie recognized what a valuable member of, of the, the show he was. Mm-hmm. And she gave him a freaking Emmy and bought him a boat. That she, blew me away. She bought him a boat? Man. 
Mark, listen, just between you and me, when I come see you, take me to a car show. I want to show you the car that I want Adam to get. <laughs> okay. I, th- I think uh, we need a new warm-up act for the show. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, getting a little demanding, Adam. I, I, there's a lot going on. Yeah. I just, oh, I, here's the thing. Adam, Adam, while I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. and Alex, thank you so much for that boat. I mean, I don't even have a place to put it. That's just, I mean, it's really, it's almost too much. It all out. I got a guy that's got to slip. <laughs> and I can't oh. I can't accept the car. That's just too much. The boat and the car is too much, honestly. <laughs> that that was Adam's idea. Well, I want I want you know, it's just because I don't want Mark to think he's just he's the help. I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> And uh by the way, Bill, here's here's a room freshener. <laughs> we 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 wanted to give you something you can use. Okay. The plug-in. <laughs> Is it, is it at least shaped like a car? Yeah, it's shaped like a car. Everyone on the boat's going to thank us. Trust me. Adam, you know what really struck me? What? They named their baby after you. Oh, yeah. And why are you laughing? <laughs> well, that's a lot of pressure. It's not pressure. It's like, you know what it is. Like, you have to be an upstanding person. You know, you can't, you know, that kid is going to say, who you're named after? Oh, Adam. Thank then you. They're going to look, they're going to Google you. Oh, great, thanks. Great. She married me, waiting for the other shoe to drop. This is what I got? Oh, you're, you're not understanding the wounded animal part. Ah, okay. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a wounded animal. Yeah. It is a lot of pressure, and I'm glad that, 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 that Joe and his wife recognized the value that I put into the world and wanted to name their child <laughs> after it. I think that was great. And what's going to help us in the future, honey, mm. I'm knocking on his door if things go bad. Look, kid. I set an example, and now I need to wet my beak a little bit. You know what? <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of pearls, kids. Split eights, sixteen's a lousy hand. <laughs> oh, man. If you're gonna write, write what you know, and and marry a person that loves animals, because I find them to be very warm people. They're annoying, but you got to put up. With <laughs> I want to thank Joey Cole for being my guest. Talking Sopranos tour is uh, out now. You can go to talkingsopranos.com for all the dates. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara Gmail. Uh, thank you so much for spreading the word about the show. Tell somebody you love about it. That'll help us out. And if you leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Please remember life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. So I, I get a text, all capitals. Bird flu. And right away, I'm thinking, oh, my God, my wife has the bird flu. <laughs> the avian flu. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, I'm like, now we got to deal with this. The, the pandemic wasn't enough. <laughs> now my wife has the bird flu. And her husband has terminal stupidity. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.